Oh, yeah. It's above the break. And we're doing Rockets Roundup, episode four for this 2022-23 season. This is Nevin Brown. And as always, I'm joined by the real Rockets Twitter superstar. Uh, James Rockets Twitter Piercy has I phoned that one in, but that's okay. Yeah, it's it's okay. It's okay. I mean, like, let's be real here. You're 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 the you bring in the the viewers. Um all six all, of them. Yes, all six, all six to twenty viewers um that we get per per episode. But that's good. That's good. You're you're holding up your end of the bargain. I'm just I'm just doing the editing and pretty much nothing. <laughs> <Yeah. else. laughs> so my bad. Um <laughs> excuse me. Uh this episode's actually going a little bit later than we wanted. I had the flu knock me out and like kind of fucked up our recording schedule. So I know the people out there are like, where was the episode? You said you'd have it sooner. Sorry. I'll try not to get the flu next time. Um, but it's a doozy. Definitely get your flu shot if you're vulnerable or even if you're not. Um, you know, vaccines useful. Okay. Let's just jump right into it because the Rockets... The Rockets decide to say, "Hey, remember that uh, the the NBA Finals two years <laughs> ago? We would have won that because they just spanked the Bucks and the Suns. It's pretty much equivalent to winning an NBA championship, I think. If, if if my logic checks out, the Rockets are the NBA champions. Yes, they're uh they're I think now we can call them the 2020, 21 NBA champions. Um, yeah." So yeah, so guys, look, bitching, when are we ever going to be good again? When 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 will this rebuild stop? Be like, I don't know. You guys won the the 2021 NBA Finals, so congratulations. Hang it up in the rafters. Jalen Green is the best player in the league now because he's uh, the best player on a team that won a championship. So rebuild over. I think episode's over. Just being a Rockets fan, you can just quit now. It's just, you're excellent. But let's let's be a little bit more serious. James, what's your after they beat these two good teams? Granted, they they got some good breaks. Namely, Middleton got hurt. Booker was already hurt for the Suns, and then Aiton went out. But they still beat these teams. Overall, overall impression for those past two games. Well, I would definitely make a distinction between the two wins in, in that sense, right? Because like last night's win, we really didn't beat the Suns. Let's be honest. De- Devin Booker was out. Aiden went out mid-game. Uh, Paul, he just doesn't look like he can anchor an offense on his own anymore. He's still an extremely useful player, but like he doesn't look like the type of guy that at whatever, 38, 39, it's understandable, but like he just can't carry the group anymore, you know? And so they didn't really have a guy that could... Like, I love Mikel Bridges. He's an excellent player, but he's more of an auxiliary piece than like... Again, he's not a guy who's like, I'll go get you a win, you know? Yeah, so, at least not on the offensive end. Also, like, if we're going to be completely honest, like... Bridges could have easily won that game for the Suns. He just missed an insane number of open looks that he normally normally. That's finishes. also true. That, that's also true. But with the Bucks win, man, come on. I know Middleton was out, but we're still talking about, like, we beat a team with the best player in the NBA on it and Jay Ru Holiday and Brooke Lopez, who's probably a defensive player of the year candidate. Like, that's a no-joke win, man. Chris Middleton or not. Like, this team should win a playoff series or two without Chris Middleton, right? So, yeah, I mean... The Bucks win was definitely more impressive. Um, I completely agree. The the obviously you want to beat the Suns, and they they didn't just. Here's the thing, they didn't like eke out a win against the Suns. They like kicked their ass and like held them at bay, which you know is what you want to see when a team has that many injuries and shoots that poorly. But against the Bucks, I thought like what was most impressive was just how they they did a good job against Giannis. Like I almost like I did a game preview for that and I didn't even really bring up like how are they going to slow down Giannis because like my thought was they're not going to slow down Giannis like because it's Giannis and like no one slows him down really and they you know the Rockets really in my mind didn't have the personnel to slow him down and which you know Jabari Smith Jr. did a good job. Um, He did. He did a very good job and we'll talk about him later but like so I wasn't even like thinking about like how can they win this game? It wasn't in the like, can they slow Giannis down to get the dub? Obviously, like that would be that's your number one goal if you're playing the Bucks, stopping Giannis. 
but they did. And so like, it basically meant that like someone else was going to not just have to have a good game, but a great game. And they didn't get that. And I mean, Drew Holiday, I think had a, like a, like a strong game anyways, but like it was that defensive performance was awesome. I do just want to say this. Um, and this is one of the things that like, I thought was it was frustrating me when people were complaining about their defense when it was really bad. Opponents were fucking scorching the nets from three point range. These past two games, Bucks shot twenty seven point nine percent on forty three attempts. Suns shot twenty five point five percent on fifty one attempts. I mean, that's like that's how they won those games. Like, and it's not taking anything away from the Rockets because they're like significant at a significant talent advantage uh, disadvantage. But like this is like when you go, oh man, we're playing so well, or oh man, we're playing so poorly. Sometimes it's just yo, the team's missing their three pointers. Um, and I think this is one of those situations. But like once again, to be in a position to beat either one of those teams, even when they shoot that poorly, is a good step forward. And in the case against the Suns, they did smoke them like from start to finish. I, I think the stat was the Suns did not have a lead the entire game. Yeah, I think it, I think that there were about two minutes left in the second quarter when they got their first field goal of the quarter, man. Uh, it was pretty crazy. Like, I'll say this. You're absolutely right. But at the same time, isn't shooting variance, like, often the way that a game is decided anyway? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, well, we wouldn't yeah, have beat them yeah. if we didn't shoot better than them. It's like, yeah, but that's kind of like that's kind of like basketball, you know? Okay, like, yeah. Like, but there's a difference between what you're saying there and sub-30% three-point shooting. Oh, for sure. But I would say that to some extent, the Rockets have pretty good perimeter defenders. And and I, I think that counts. Like, like, I mean, Bari and Tari, man, they 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 get the job done. And, and Uzi, Uzi switchable as well, right? So No, they have uh, they have some guys. They do have some guys. I'm not yeah, they got three, there. they have three guys, basically. But I have uh, seen and, and Kevin KJ's Porter Jr. Passable. KJ is he he's out there not completely fucking it up i will say this jalen yes. green's perimeter defense needs some work he gets he gets lost in time and space um same with uh kevin porter jr but kevin porter jr has this annoying as fuck habit that like people that are like kevin porter jr stands are gonna hate me for saying this but he has this annoying habit of doing a lazy closeout and then realizing the guy is gonna shoot and that he's done a lazy closeout and then he like jumps and quote unquote like contests the shot where he's not even contesting it, which then makes it so he can't box the guy out and at least like you know help the defensive rebounding situation. Yeah, That's, actually, yeah. I, I've I've noticed I've noticed that KPJ in general has a bit of a habit of playing what I would call performative defense. Like yes, yes, right. Yeah, he'll he'll also what he'll do is like for a couple of plays he'll pick a star up at ninety four feet. So it's like look, I'm playing defense, and it's like. Yeah, bro, you've been lost the whole game, though. Let's be honest. Like, yeah, he, it's, I mean, like, not to, not to bag on this guy who, like, I think has a real role, a real valuable role on a, on a good team if he's willing to accept those terms. But, like, there's a, there's too much shit where it's like, dude, like, you're fucking stuff up. Like, you're just, you're, like, for, he's one of these dudes who's like, there's like, He'll have like a play where you're like, holy shit, this guy like can be a difference maker. And then you'll have three straight plays. Where you're like, holy shit, this guy's like a difference maker in like a very negative way. It's yeah. it's it's really frustrating. And it's it's why I think he's so divisive for the fan base just in general, where it's like, I understand why people are like, this guy could be something. I totally agree. Like he could be something. But I also completely understand the people that are like, he's not going to be anything because there's just too many there's too many negatives he needs to cut out of his game that like he hasn't. And I don't really know like how he's going to cut them out if it hasn't gotten better. Right. Like Jalen has some issues, but like every issue he's had, he's gotten better at and you can see the progress KPJ. It's like his issues are the same issues as they were at the beginning of last season for the, the most part career. I think for that matter. Yes. For his career. But like, I'm just saying like, you know, since he's been the full time point guard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. 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 No, I completely agree. Let, let's, let's even move on because like, I think this episode was pretty light on KPJ content and, yeah, and that yeah. probably makes for like a better vibe of an episode, you know? Yeah, so yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's just talk about the good time. The Rockets back to back wins against the Suns and the Bucks. Obviously super exciting. Everyone should be pumped. 
Last 10 games, they're six and four. I think they're on a five game home winning streak. Now, I haven't looked this up, and I, I think I'm going to try to like, you know, compare it to last season. I have the sense that teams are way better at home this season than they are on the road. I don't know if that's true, but like you go look at like a team like the Cavaliers, good record, amazing home record, not so good road record. Uh, let's let's talk about the Warriors for like a split second. Like ama- like <laughs> hilarious, like best home team, worst road team, 500 because of it. So when the Rockets got this like poor start, everyone's like this team like stocks fire sauce. And well, it's like 11 of 15 on the road, like or 11 of 16, wherever the fuck it was. And if teams just in general are playing way better at home this season, that that explains why they, they're looking better. But over these last 10 games, they've actually beaten really, really good teams. I mean, they have a win against the Bucks, obviously, the Suns, obviously, the Sixers, the Suns again, the Hawks. And then, you know, the Thunder. Like, the Thunder aren't, aren't a pushover. I think the only bad loss in that stretch is against the Spurs, who I thought they should have. Uh, going in the game, I was very confident that they would at least look like they could win. James, what's been the change if there's been any change outside of just playing more home games? I I think okay. Well, first of all, I, I think the major change, like in in pretty simple terms, is Jabari Smith Jr. evolving from probably the worst player in the NBA to maybe like a league average ish player. You know, best player. Best player in the Best NBA. Best player in the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but like suddenly it's like, I think there was an idea going into the season of like, this guy's going to be a pretty good 3 and D wing right away. And that absolutely did not happen, obviously. But by now, I like he, over this stretch, he's been a pretty good 3 and D wing, right? So now that's like, a, that's like a meaningful addition from last year's roster, you know? Yeah. It's an addition that like they kind of desperately needed. They needed a guy who could get stops on good players and hit open threes. And for a while, he was not really doing either like he wasn't horrible on defense but but he wasn't really he didn't he wasn't flashing like special potential on defense for for most of the season now he is so that that's really exciting and then of course probably more significantly the, the the shots actually going down I think that's really the big difference here, man, because honestly, like, like they're, they're still not really running it through Shengun as a hub. Like, that's not the story here. You know, the, the stats wouldn't back that up at all. If anything, I think Garou was probably getting more, more minutes than he used to. So it's not it's not a shift from KPJ to Shengun, which I think is what a lot of us would have expected. Jalen's been playing well, but we could pretty much expect Jalen to, to be inconsistent throughout the whole year. I'm sure he's going to have another stinky stretch or two, right? Like, that's... This is just a sophomore uh, on a horrible team who isn't inclined to score. So I think it's Bari. What do you think? I think it's Bari. I think it's also that I really think that Green has gotten way better about basically elevating his game-to-game floor. Because before, and I think it's because like the passing has come along where like he's, it used to be like he wasn't actually giving you any value as a passer relative to like a shooting guard now he's kind of like at that league average some games it's like a little bit better and now he's just getting the free throw line so the big issue i think early in the season was like if he wasn't shooting well he was similar kind of like jabari was like a massive net negative right it was just like this dude is making us lose not saying he's like a losing player not like trying to diss him but it's just like that is the reality of what where he was at as a player and now i just think with like the playmaking getting a bit better he's, he seems way more confident about getting rim pressure i think he's getting more actual reps running the offense and it is so much better than when kpj is running the offense um just because he's he's quicker and more decisive like fundamentally like he he gets into what he wants to do very quickly now and it's leading to more free throws leading to more assists and it also allows where if like they do do a kick out there's time for something else to develop instead of just kind of a like, fuck, we got to get this shot up. And like those small marginal improvements, like they don't show up in a like, like a very meaningful way to the, the kind of casual observer. But like, if you do that enough times over a basketball game, which is like a hundred possessions, you're not going to notice it. But if it adds three more competitive possessions, that might add like three more points to the score at the end. And like, that is a lot. Like games are decided by less than three points. Um, so I just think his floor 
on offense raising. And then I think you're spot on with like Jabari Smith Jr. going from the worst player in the NBA to probably not like even an average NBA player, but like close enough to average that he's not like causing you to lose. And and like functionally, if a 19 year old is a little bit below league average, that's like amazing. Like that's like, that is like such a good outcome for a 19 year old. Like we, yeah, I, I wrote this um, when I wrote about uh, Terry Eason, who continues to be awesome in his minutes. But like people went nuts about Paolo Bancaro being amazing. Paolo Bancaro's like basically been a league average player if you like account for the fact that he has a massive, massive volume. It's just a player that young, that inexperienced being league average with that role is super, super, super rare. And it's like super, super valuable. So yeah, man, like the Rockets are in a, good space over the last 10 games yep only issue is and maybe this is a way that we segue into the next topic uh are are they jeopardizing the sacred tank um yes but i think the tank was like already obviously in jeopardy from the get-go really when i say the tank was in jeopardy it's more like the spurs were really 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 bad like pretty obviously from the like from right from the start they have more wins than they should, right? But like, as soon as you saw the underlying metrics with the Spurs, you're like, it's going to be tough for the Rockets to be that bad. So that like bounces them to second. Lamelo hasn't played at all this season, basically, which has put Charlotte down there kind of out of nowhere. I He's thought expected this... to return tonight. Sort of interject. Well, hopefully. Hopefully they're smart about this and manage his minutes yeah. um, because like they, they banked enough losses that it doesn't make sense to. No, it's too late. Yeah. It's, it's too late. late. You, you're not going to yeah. make, you're not going to make the playoffs. And even if you no. do, you're going to be the 10 seed. Like it's just, there's too much ground, too many teams to pass that like they, they need to basically say, this is it's time to tank it out. Yeah. I agree. Time to tank it out. So you have those two teams that are already like deep in the tank. Then you have Detroit who has been horrible all season dodged all of the allegations and now they're without Cade Cunningham for the rest of the season. So they're like definitely in the tank. So that kind of means that like, I think the tank was kind of always in jeopardy just because, you know, the Rockets barring an injury to like one of their like important young players, like they were probably not going to be the absolute worst team in the league. And now their teams have like real incentive to like be super, super bad. And we're not even bringing up like, you know, the magic suck. Like, I don't know like how they have three players in the ringers, top 100 players. The Rockets only have one. Telling me. But like, it's like, you know, like they're fucking bad. Like and they suck. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the magic are the, actually probably the team that I would point to and go like, I, I thought they would be better than Houston this year. They're, they're, they're a little further ahead in their rebuild in a certain sense. But they have, I will say this. The Rockets, for all their problems, their starting lineup and their bench kind of make sense. The Magic's lineups do not fucking make sense. People it's are like, true. oh my god, they're usually like five people, six, ten, and above. I'm like, yo, like, there's a reason no one does that because, like, it probably yeah, or like, work. It, like, yeah, like, or like, well, maybe it could work in theory, but like, if they were all Durant, it could work, you know. But like, it's like the the issue is like. You're just throwing guys together. The spacing is really bad. I, th- I think that's a major thing with with, with Orlando is they've got a ton of ball handlers and they, they don't have shooters. And it's like, well, there's only one ball, you know? Like, I I think that's that's a, a maximum that's a little bit overused, but I think it applies for Orlando. It's like, guys, there's only one ball. Like, who 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 is going to shoot? It's, a spe- it's especially astute when it's like, there's only one ball. We got all these ball handlers. Like, people are like, oh, it's like, look, if it's two superstars, they can figure it out because when they have the ball, it's really good. They don't have any superstars. Like, yeah, that's they don't yeah, actually have any exactly. good NBA players. Like I just said about Bankero, Bankero has been like league average, which is why it's great as a rookie. But that doesn't mean he's like when he has the ball, you're like, yeah, man, we're fucking, we're gonna have like an offensive rating of 120 when Bankero is running the fucking show. It's like no, like you're gonna be probably best a league average offense. Like that's I I agree with you, but suppose they had. Bancaro and Wagner, and then they surrounded those guys with spacing. They'd probably be better than Houston right now. Like, like they're functional yes. issues as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. And look, like, look, the Rockets have the fourth worst net rating, right? 
but there's like there's significant daylight between them and the Hornets, Pistons, and Spurs. I I see this team, and I say I think the tanks in jeopardy in terms of, and I think we should have said this from the get go. Yeah. I think there's real jeopardy of them getting one of the bottom three records, which gives you equal odds at Wembenyama. I think that's in jeopardy. Yeah, I, I think there's a still a very high likelihood that they end with one of the five worst records in the league. Oh yeah. Um I think that's probably more likely than not. Yeah, I just I like the only way I could see that possibly changing is if my Washington Wizards just say, "Oh, maybe this would be a good year to like just completely fucking suck." And then that but like they would have to do that soon and they'd have to do that aggressively and yeah. they're not going to. Because... There must be some other candidates uh like the jazz could probably just say okay we're trading a few guys and we're gonna lose every game for the rest of the year uh even the raptors could maybe there's there's been talk that the raptors could go crazy at the deadline right uh the bulls certainly as well could lean into the tank i know they owe their pick to orlando with top four protection maybe they make the same gamble the rockets made two years ago and go well, let's try to maximize the odds of that pick and bang, and and if not, we'll we'll you know reevaluate right if we if we send Orlando the fifth pick. But yeah, yeah, I mean, even but those even with those teams making those decisions, I don't know. I don't think any of them actually would for one simple reason. I don't think they can get ease outside of maybe the Wizards and maybe the Bulls. I think it'd be really hard to get in that top five odds, top three odds. The Raptors probably won't. That's true. Yeah. And the Raptors also like, you know, like I think I think they're a team where if you go look at like their underlying metrics, like like they've been without Siakam. This is not a Raptors podcast. I think they're fine. And I think that like one of the things I find most fucking annoying about this stage in the NBA season is one bad week or one good week suddenly means a team season is falling apart or suddenly makes a team a title contender. It's like it's like, yes, man, a week or two weeks, has seven games. You've played like 20-something games, 25 games. If you go 7-0, and all of a sudden you have a great record. If you go 0-7, all of a sudden you have a bad record. It's like it, these these runs mean more this early in the season, and I think people are freaking out about it. Um, but the Rockets tank is in jeopardy, and I think that's kind of fine. Because I just don't think it's ever going to get out of that top five range, even though, like, you know, my big my big feeling on this, like the reason you want to have one of those really bad records is for the floor, not the ceiling. Because everyone focuses on the, oh, well, if they, you know, they they finish with one of the three worst records. They only have like X amount of odds to get Wemby. I'm like, yeah, but you know what? They also have really high odds of getting the seventh or eighth pick. And like, let me just tell you about the seventh and eighth pick. There's a lot of bad players in the seventh or eighth pick that like teams get. So uh, that that's that's the that's the beauty of the tank. Do you have anything to add? Yep. Um, I, I agree pretty much on all points. It would be pretty disappointing to to net the seventh or eighth pick after all this this struggle, yes. right? But I will say, I will say that all drafts are not born equally, and I I do have a belief that this is a is a, a nice draft I, there are guys that'll be available in that range that i really like personally yeah if if the rockets slip that range that means i think it's time to like seventh or eighth pick you got to think about fit there's a couple of guys that i absolutely would not draft uh well one brandon miller i absolutely would not draft I, is, is that too much of a digression or can i get into that a little bit i don't care all right brandon miller do you know him no, but he sounds like a and basketball Eric. player. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 climbing the ranks lately. He's a six nine wing, uh, who with with really nice shooting mechanics, and uh, he's a pretty good passer and he's a good defender. Solid prospect, right? Here's the thing: it, tell me who this reminds you of. He's got no burst, no vertical leap, and he struggles to create shots at the rim. I mean that. You, I mean, even before you said that part, you were just describing Jabari Smith Jr. Yeah, he's Jabari Smith Jr., right? And I, I'm really happy. My to have bad. Jabari, Jabari Smith the third. He's Jabari Smith the third. Yeah, he's he's a little different in the sense of he's got a tighter handle and he's a better passer and he doesn't have quite the same like defensive upside and he's not as elite of a shooter. But 
they might not have the same they don't have the same strengths but they have the same weaknesses and so yeah. for that reason I, I would just i would absolutely avoid miller at all costs if we're, if we're taking a wing it's got to be Ozer thompson or cam whitmore one of these guys that can like get to the ring you know uh so that's really important to me if we draft brandon miller man i'm i'm, I'm jumping off the ledge i'll be i'll be in a lot of trouble as a person i'll be I'll be sad as hell. Other than that, though, <laughs> okay. there are there are a lot of guys in this draft who are really, really enticing to me. So slipping to seventh or eighth isn't as much of a disaster as it would have been like in this last draft. Although I guess he could have yeah. got Benedict Matherin at the same time. But true, true. Uh, yeah, right. Generally speaking, I don't think it's a disaster. I, th- I think we have cornerstones and, and an exciting young team, and we're going to be adding a player with upside no matter what happens. Okay, speaking of the tank being in jeopardy, I've seen a lot of takes out here about Steven Silas that I need to address. I just want to get this started with saying, if you think Steven Silas isn't the right coach for the Rockets, that's fine. If you don't think Steven Silas is a great NBA head coach, that's fine. Now, if you think Steven Silas is the worst coach in the league, I mean, you need to understand what wins basketball games in this league remember david blatt i don't know that guy made a finals and got fired while the Cavs were winning the east because he had super good talent and he's never got an nba job again that might have been because he was like i don't want any of this fucking shit again but point being is there are coaches that we agree aren't very good that are highly successful and there are coaches that are quite good that aren't highly successful, like those San Antonio Spurs who have literally the worst net rating in the league are coached by who? Have, who coaches the Spurs again, James? I can't, I can't remember. Nobody yeah. nobody notable. Nobody, yeah. They, they have some bum there because that team's horrible. And obviously, if the team is bad, some that means man. the coach is bad. It's some, yeah, some old some old bag of bones that look like, a, like Nosferatu. Anyways. <laughs> anyways. I saw after that Bucks game, where I really thought the Rockets came out with kind of like a different type of energy than they usually do. There was like a, it just, it felt different, right? Like you can tell when a team is playing, not harder, but with more energy, right? Like, because it wasn't just like, we're going to run hard. It was like, there was a level of focus. And being focused takes energy, but it's not the same as just like running around with your head cut off or your head cut off like a chicken or something. Some of, them, some of them, them hill people say. Um, I saw people being like, oh, like John Lucas got a response from these guys. John Lucas should be the coach. Like this is proof that Silas is a bad coach. And I just want to fucking say, whoever, if you said that, you need to fucking reevaluate yourself and look in the fucking mirror and be like, is there something wrong with me? Steven Silas didn't coach that game because his fucking dad died. Like this isn't the time or place to do the, victory lap of i knew silas was a fucking fraud maybe you still believe that maybe that's right but that's not the time or place to do it like just have a fucking heart for one like have some empathy have some compassion because remember fundamentally basketball is stupid as fuck it's a game that does not matter but your parents do people in your life do relationships do steven silas lost his father guy Sorry, sorry for this. If, if you, James Cat just jumped up right there um, as we're talking about the people that matter most in our lives. <laughs> Anyways, he lost his father, who not only was his father, but he's the guy who got him into coaching in the NBA. He worked with him. He's probably the one of the main reasons he has the Rockets head coaching job. And to come out and be like, this guy is bad because the team played well when he wasn't there as if there isn't a possibility that they were motivated to win that game for their coach. And they said as much and they were excited after the game and celebrating with John Lucas, not because they want John Lucas to be the fucking coach, but because they know how much this game meant to John Lucas because of how much it would mean to Steven Silas. If you do not think the way I do, I'm just saying you probably need to reevaluate the way you look at some of these things because like at, the, at the end of the day, that was a great win and it said a lot about Steven Silas and this team about how they care about each other, which is the takeaway. The takeaway isn't 
John Lucas should be the Rockets head coach now because Steven Silas obviously can't get a response out of these guys. I can't believe I had to say that because I saw a lot of the opposite on Twitter. And I just, I just, it bugged me because like there are things that actually matter in life. And I feel yeah. like people are missing the plot because human connection and empathy and compassion is like actually what's important. Not and and animal connection and compassion, don't forget. Yeah, yeah, it's connect connection with all forms of life. But like I just I can't I see a lot of this stuff and it, it really, really, really bugs me because it's just like like what's wrong with people? Yeah, let me let me interject a little bit. First of all, Cat butt, man. I don't know if you noticed. I, I actually wrote a piece, uh, should John Lucas be the head coach of the Rockets? My editor suggested that piece. But if you read the piece, I actually say, no, they shouldn't fire Silas. So I, I, I'd I, like to think I'm not guilty of the same, you know? You because... have a job. You have a job to do. Like... And and in fairness, yeah, it's like that's journalism. I'm, I'm supposed to explore pertinent questions, you know? So, so, but I mean, I really did. I concluded basically what I concluded, which has been my consistent uh take on the silas situation is like we don't know what this guy's capable of it's not fair this is not the situation he was intended to be part of and i think that the man deserves a chance to show what he can do with a team that's like designed to to at least win 35 40 games you know like i find that there's this moral tenure uh, tenor about silas you know uh people don't just think he's a bad coach they just like absolutely fucking hate the guy and it's all this i wrote this in the piece too it's always over this bullshit it's always about like rotations like they're not playing gup enough why are we playing Knicks? why are we playing <laughs> gary matthews it's like first why of all, are we playing garrison matthews garrison matthews is a good player like i'm sorry like he's, i know no you and i are we both agree on that yeah he, he should matthews, play basketball he also plays like 13 minutes a night like what the fuck like <laughs> yeah i know what are we talking about and like yeah Knicks is not very good i probably would rather be playing tai tai washington but if you think that is an especially significant component of this rebuild Right, whether Ty Ty Washington is getting minutes over Deshaun Nix this season, you're a myopic person. Like that, that is that's not in the grand scheme of things very important, right? Like, and and Gup doesn't deserve minutes. He sucks. So, and, and <laughs> the I, Gup I, people, the Gup. But people. I also just think that I wrote this in the article. Fans have a tendency to focus on very simple and like uh, visible and tangible components of coaching because they don't understand. X's and O's and plays and stuff like that. Just like, I don't have a full understanding of that stuff, to be honest, you know? Um, I think Silas is probably a much better basketball technician than John Lucas. And that matters, you know? Like, like people just think, oh, well, Lucas, you know, he, he yells at Kevin Porter Jr. And uh, his rotations would probably be more to our liking. And so, like, he should be the coach. Like, they need a leader. And like, well, you also need a guy at the helm that, like, has the best understanding from a technical perspective of, of, of basketball that you can get. And I think Silas is probably that guy more than Lucas is. Also, like, here's the other thing. Silas's directive from front office and the organization might not be, hey, bud, maximize wins. It might be, hey, bud, maximize development. And they're like, you know, why aren't they like, you know, making these certain rotations? Well, maybe he thinks this is better for certain guys' development. Also, the Knicks thing, look, I get it. Knicks sucks. Like, I tweet about how Knicks sucks. Like, I see it. We all see it. He's horrible. But let's also be real. They don't have another guy who can play point guard on this roster. Ty Ty Washington was injured and just came back. Like, he's like the idea that he's going to come straight from the G League after an injury and just like walk into like a pretty substantial role is kind of insane and you wouldn't want a coach to just do that especially when it doesn't matter it's not like like what 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 is the benefit of putting Ty Ty in there and being slightly more productive in those minutes than you would be with Knicks like there is no real tangible benefit and I agree with you the people that complain about rotations you know why those people need to shut the fuck up because guess what they're not at practice they're not in those meetings. Yeah. They don't fucking know. They don't know who could be hurt, who could be feeling something, who could be sore. All of this stuff. They also don't know like 
hey, like maybe there's a reason that these guys play together and it's not about maximizing on-court production in every single minute because that's not the team. But I will say this. I sent you this thing earlier from last season relative, I think, to league average. The Rockets' net rating has improved by plus 3.1 points per 100 possessions this season. They have the smallest payroll. They have the smallest payroll in the league. 75 million in active cap. 20 of which essentially is going to Eric Gordon, who, I don't know if you know this, is 34 and like not exactly a game-changing player. And this is another key thing. They trade Christian Wood, who while we both don't think is a good, like an amazing player, he he like probably would still be the most effective player on this team. I'm not going to say best necessarily, but effective. I'm not sure if I agree with that, but I but the, your broader point is taken though. He would be one of the five most effective players on this. Yes, team. he would. Yes, he would. Right, so, like he would have made this team better, and they got rid of that guy. They have the smallest payroll, and their net rating has improved by plus three point one. I, what are we doing with the like this? Like, look, like maybe Silas isn't going to be the guy when they reach the playoffs, and we'll see that. But from a like, this is a team in a rebuild. I can't really come out here and say this guy's obviously horrible. There are decisions I wish he would make, but like you know, maybe he's just like, hey, like there's no real point trying to build an offense around Shengun because he's not Nikola Jokic, so it's never going to really function at an elite level. And like that might a hundred percent be true. Alperin Shengun might just be one of those guys who puts up awesome stats, but he isn't quite good enough to justify building an offense around him. There's a lot of guys. Like uh, uh, yeah, I've been saying that. Or it might even, I think more accurately, it's probably that, don't kill me, that the, the thinking is you could probably build a pretty good NBA offense around Shengun, but the defensive issues are always going to be there. And if we're able to identify that early, why even start down the path of building an offense around the guy right because sometimes i see this argument of like well you need regular season wins too and he'll he'll get those for you that's a point well taken but you can't really structure your entire offense around a guy as the hub and then just not play him in round two of the playoffs it's like but that's how we get our buckets you know what i mean so like yes like yeah like i i think some long-term planning is 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 an okay thing and shangun has plenty of opportunities and i think the thinking is probably hey look if he can get his defense to a good level, then we may well build this offense around him. But that's what rebuilding teams do, right? You, you yes. Yeah. Also, Shangun has been getting better. Like, like, yeah. like this thing. It's like they're all getting better, pretty much. They're all getting better. They're all getting better. Like that's all that matters. Like, I, 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 I wanted them to get rid of Silas. I don't think he's a good coach, but I don't think it's like this thing that like needs to be a big part of the Houston Rockets discourse. And let I me, feel like it has become huge part. Let, let, let me say two other things, right? First of all, it's not that hard to come up with a hypothesis as to why Knicks is getting minutes over Ty Ty. They're trying to figure out if Deshaun Knicks is an NBA player, period. Right? Like if he's he doesn't no, he's no, he's not. He's but not. It, given the organization's current goals, they might as well give it, they might as well run the experiment through its entire course. You know what I'm saying? So, like, like by now, I'm sure in his heart of hearts, Stone's like yeah, this guy's getting zero minutes per game next year. But, like, why not use the rest of the season to see if maybe there's something there, you know? Because, like, why not? Because we're not really trying to win games anyway. Or at least, right? Whereas Ty Ty is probably getting his development in practice. And 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 he'll probably see 10 minutes a game next year. I think people also, also Ty Ty was how- hurt. He was hurt. Like, that's the only reason he hasn't been playing. He was hurt. Like, well, he's what? back now and he's still not playing in all fairness. I know, but he just got back. Like, he hasn't yeah, practiced true. with these guys. He hasn't played with these guys. Like, like, yo, like, I know you go play pickup with random people and it seems really great. That's not how it works in the NBA. Like, you kind of yeah. like, need to know how to play with people. Yeah. Let me, let me say this too more broadly, right? Uh, I've run into this argument more than once. People... Just have this assumption that Silas is bad, right? It's just that that is that's something that they've taken for granted now. Silas is bad. Then you point out and go, well, hey man, look, uh, Jalen Green's gotten a lot better between his rookie and sophomore seasons. Albert Shangun's gotten better. KJ Martin's made a lot of progress. Yuzman Garuba looks like he's going to be a good NBA player now. Uh, Jabari Smith's rookie years, I mean, it doesn't count the same, but like he's generally, yeah, generally. The the team is improving. The two exceptions are KPJ, who really stagnated, in my opinion, and Gup, 
who hasn't made any progress, but I don't think he's good anyway. So the the the, the point is this. So you point that out, and then they'll say, oh, yeah, well, that development's in spider stylist. Like, imagine how good they'd be if they had another coach. And, like, I, I call it a Nirvana fallacy, which is something I had to look up, but I've used it several times since. So a Nirvana fallacy is when you claim that something could be better, even though it's already really good, essentially. Because because it's it's unprovable, right? But it's like, well, where does that end? Like, what do you want? You want Jalen Green to be a scoring champion, right? You 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 want Shangun to be all defense? Like, Garuba should be dropping twenty and ten. Like like these guys are developing the way they're supposed to. What what more? It's not fair to look at it and say they're developing well and say, well, I assume they could be developing better. It's like based on what? Like they're they're developing as well as anybody could reasonably expect. If you're bitching about the coach, you know what it means. Not means, always. Not a lot always. of times it means that you're too delusional about how much you love the players and you can't you can't put anything on them. So those got to be the coach. There's it's that it, it it it's that and it's basically this. You don't actually have any ideas. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, it's so, really yeah, just, I know. Like your, your ideas just... are like, well, you know, I'd, I'd I'd play Gup more. It's like congratulations, man. You should go send your resume to the Rockets. Maybe you'll get hired. You know, like it's yeah. It's just like when it's just like you don't actually have any concrete ideas. Like. Look, when I've been critical of Silas, my main criticism is I would like to see the offense have more possessions and more actions where an Alper and Shangun can get the ball either in the post or the high post and they can utilize his passing. That's it. That's like basically the only criticism I actually functionally have of like what Silas has done with this team. Shangun's been really good at scoring out of the post. His passing is hit or miss. And I think the issue is there's just not enough action off the ball to like utilize it. I'd like there to be more more of that. But at the same time, that's it. Like that is a concrete thing I would like to see more of. Maybe there's a reason they don't have it. Maybe the other guys aren't really capable they think of, or maybe they still want to overload them with basically two different offenses, depending on who has the yeah, ball. Yeah, there's a few <laughs> explanations. That that's right. Exactly. There's a few explanations at play. Like I, I think people really underestimate how difficult it is to just for everybody, Silas, Jalen, KPJ even Barry to just shift to this offense that runs through the low block when none of them at any level of basketball have played through the low block, right? It's just not, it's not really a popular way to play basketball anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And so basically if you were criticizing the coach, not always, but most of the time it's just like, you don't actually have a good idea. Think of like, think of, think of better ideas, like having a good idea when you criticize the coach because rotations, who cares? Like fundamentally who cares about rotations on one of the worst teams in the league? Right. Like, who cares? Like, who really gives a shit? Right. Oh, these other guys should be playing more. Dude, these guys wouldn't be on most other NBA rosters. Who cares if they should be playing more? Who cares if they should be playing less? It doesn't really matter. Like, you're yeah. complaining about the dumbest shit. And it's like this just take a step back. The team's gotten better. Steven Silas seems to be a nice guy that the players like. That's all good. Just, just leave it there. Have fun with it. If, if in your mind the Rockets should have been better than they are this season, like I don't know what to tell you. You just don't actually understand the level of talent in the NBA, and that is on you, not Silas or the players. All right? Yeah, yeah. Well, let me say one more, one more thing. If if I have a concrete criticism, and I don't know, if this is a criticism of Silas or Stone, though, right? But if if I have a concrete criticism of the team, it's KPJ's usage, and and, and I'm very eager to know if that's something that we're just doing while we're tanking or if this, if there's a really like strongly held belief between stone and Silas that this kid is going to become a superstar, because if that's the case, I'm very concerned. Right. But if, I, if, on the other hand, if it's a developmental strategy, it's something I'm cool with. I think fundamentally they don't have an actual point guard on the roster. They need a starting point guard. Would you rather have Dacian Nix out there at the starters? Absolutely not. Like I, I tweeted this last night. Dacian Nix is a scheme to make the team need KPJ at point guard. Like it's like it's basically that's all it is, right? Um, like they need a point guard. He's their point guard. Like I don't think long term he's their point guard. I don't think anyone in the organization thinks he's long term their point guard. I think we've seen this season already. Silas show kind of his cards. Guess who's getting more pick and roll reps? Guess who's getting more on ball initiate the offense reps? Jalen Green, right? Like they're they're already trending in that direction, and I think it's just going to continue. Um, yeah, and, and you know what, man? 
to be completely honest, the, the probably the single biggest weakness in Jalen's game right now is actually his handle, right? Yes. So it, it it yeah, like it makes sense. Like you can't really hand in the keys as a primary ball handler, to be honest. Like like he's yeah, he's 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 already a great scorer because he uses that first step to attack closeouts and like if if the defense is in any way unset. Jalen is is lethal. Forget about it, right? But like, in terms of taking the ball up and attacking a set defense, I'm not even saying he can't do it because the first step can get him around a lot of guys, even with the shaky handle. But like, he's like the handle is shaky, you know. And we're talking about primary ball. ball handling. Yeah, he'll lose the ball sometimes. Like, it, they the, the roster isn't perfectly constructed. It's not the final. It's not the finished product. Don't worry about. It. Let's move off of how yeah. great Steven Silas is and talk about how dumb. Nevin is. All right. We're, <laughs> official, we're official of this episode where James, the fake trade maestro, magician, the real hardwood Houdini, is going <laughs> to grade some of my fake Eric Gordon trades. It's December 14th when we're recording this. So December 15th, players that signed this offseason become eligible to be traded. So the unofficial start of trade season is December 15th. When presumably you'll be listening to this because you listen to all of our podcasts the day they come out because you're a real fan of Above the Break. All right. Eric Gordon been in trade rumors for how long now? Is it like 17 straight years? Um, but he's been in trade rumors for a long time. He makes about 19 million. I put all these trades in the trade machine. They check out based upon salary. And so I'm going to have James grade them. First one is a little trade with the New York Knicks. The reason why I like this one is quite simple. The Knicks are actually like they've been on a little bit of a run. They're surprisingly good. But at the same time, this is a team looking for the future. They have one big problem. They have Evan Fournier for two or three more years after this. I think it's two more years after this season. That final season is not fully guaranteed. But point being is they would like to probably be, be rid of the contract obligation sooner rather than later. So my trade is, the Rockets trade Eric Gordon for Evan Fournier. Plus, they get one of those many protected firsts that the Knicks have from another organization that no one wants. The picks that the Knicks thought would get them Donovan Mitchell and that they learned would not get them Donovan Mitchell. That is my trade. I know some Rockets fans don't want to keep the cap as clean as possible for next offseason. I'm just going to say this. There's not that many good options. So and we have enough space that even taking on the money, there there yeah. would still be like like Miles Turner would probably still be in the cards if, yeah, if that's could, what we want to do, right? You could you could go sign whoever the fuck you want, even with that. So that's my trade. What's your grade? B minus. That that one gets a B minus from me. It's a pretty it's a good trade. Uh, I I don't love taking on Fournier's salary because I I just think it's it's a bad contract and the first is gonna be pretty heavily protected, so it's not outright a first round pick. But we should not be expecting an outright first round pick in exchange for Eric Gordon anyway, and getting any kind of a first rounder. Uh, I guess it, it, my grade could even improve depending on the protections. Like, are the, I can't remember if those picks mostly have like rolling protections or if they're outright, like, do they convey into seconds if they don't convey in, in, in initially or like, there's, 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 that's the thing. There's a bunch of different picks you could pick from. So yeah. 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 So I guess, the, I guess it, which one, Give me the best one and you got an A, probably. Huh? But okay. g- g- you know, give me the uh, give me the worst one and it's, it's solidly B minus. Do you think the Knicks would do this deal in a heartbeat? I don't know if the Knicks really like. I don't know what the Knicks are doing, man. You know, they, they, they get off Fournier's contract, but they lose a pick, and it seems to me that that the like I have some idea what the Knicks are doing. They want to bundle a shit ton of first round picks for a star player, so they're losing one of those picks here. And I'm not really sure what they're doing with Gordon, but getting off the salary is nice. But the the thing that I've realized is like those picks don't get you a star. Like that's not going to be what what gets you yeah, a star I, I, is I, your pick unprotected, not someone else's pick protected. Like that's right. what that's, that's what true. I've that's kind of what I've seen over the last few off seasons is where it's like those picks don't have the trade value that people that they used to. It's pretty much what I'm saying. B, B minus. Let's do the next one. B minus. All right. This one. Eric Gordon goes back to New Orleans for Jackson Hayes, who's in the final year of his deal, and Devontae Graham, who I think has a year or two more on his deal, but he's only making like $10 million a season. Devontae Graham, if you don't know, is like a six foot one point guard slash shooting guard who's a good three-point shooter and can bring the ball up the court and pass it to someone else. He'd probably be actually be a pretty good fit offensively speaking next to 
what the Rockets currently at. Yeah, you're getting an A for this one, man. I really like it. Are you a Jackson uh, Hayes fan? Is that what it is? Well, I'm not even a huge Jackson Hayes fan, but like relative to young players that we could get for Eric Gordon in any realistic way, I'm a huge Jackson Hayes fan. Suddenly, okay. you know what I mean? Yeah, like like that's that's about as good as we're gonna do, right? And he is he is a young player with some tools, like like he's got hops and he's got length. He's 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 already pretty decent on defense. He's a surprisingly good ball handler and stuff, like. Uh, yeah, I think he'd be a nice addition to the team, man. Uh, and I think Graham would be a nice addition to the team, too, in terms of, like, next year when there's no more incentive to lose. You know, Devontae Graham's a flawed player. He's a weak defender. He, he's an inconsistent shooter. But, like, he'd be the best point guard on the Rockets right now. So, you know, if we ended up drafting a wing or something, maybe he's the starting point guard next year, right? So, like, like generally – now, Hayes, as you mentioned, he, he's due for his rookie extension. So, I guess the Rockets would be auditioning him for half a season, and if it looked good, they they would extend him. But just the opportunity to do that is, is pretty nice. Yeah, I think it's one of those good situations where it's like if you get Jackson Hayes, you're like, let's see if we want to give him money. And if you're like, we don't, that's fine because you got off of Gordon. and you For got a cheaper Devontae. contract for a player that you need more. Yeah, that, that makes yeah. more sense. What about for the Pelicans? How much like do you like this for the Pelicans? I mean, Gordon's just like another... I mean, he's a perfect player for a contender, but like you think he's better than Graham, essentially? Yeah. The, the only reservation I have is that for some reason, to my understanding, fans in New Orleans really hate Gordon. There's some kind of bad blood in the way that he left or something. He gets booed when, he whenever, he, whenever he, he goes left. there. Yeah, but I mean, players leave. He's not a superstar. I don't know why this is like a particular thing, but either way... If... They don't know who, man. The, uh, look, look I, I lived in New Orleans for a while. I know people that have yeah. Pelicans fans. Those people do not fucking know who. Like, it, New Orleans right. is a baseball football city yeah 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 right 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 so but i mean that probably doesn't really matter so overall yeah i think the pelicans if this is on the table i think it's it's, it should help them you know it should make them a better team okay let's move on to a deal that we're both not fans of (laughs) even though i came up with this it's only my second least favorite i think of the 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 two remaining on my two least favorite yes i know i ordered them in uh from best to worst (laughs) in in my mind um yeah okay eric gordon gets traded to the Dallas Mavericks, which I think Dallas Mavericks are going to get Eric Gordon for this trade, A++, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> an A-plus trade for them. They, they could really use a guy like Eric Gordon. They get the Mavericks send the Rockets, Davis Bertans, plus m- probably multiple second-round picks. Bertans, I think, only has one more year at like 20-some million left on his deal. Um, or I think only it's two one- more years. I think the final year isn't guaranteed, really. Okay, all right. So it's one of those situations. Um, this trade, I didn't include a first-round pick, even though you might need to to dump Berton's salary. But the 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 Mavericks aren't going to include a first-round pick to dump Berton's salary because they no. they want to get they want to give the Knicks their first-round pick and then have all their first-round picks. From then on out to then package is the understanding that I've heard from multiple sources. What do you think about this? Yeah, I think I've got to give this trade uh, something like a C minus, man. It depends how many second round picks, you know, but even then it's like a whole bunch of shit is still shit, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And like, it's, uh, I really, really don't like Bertans' contract. Like, I think like he's absolutely unplayable in, in the postseason. I know that doesn't matter for the Rockets right now, yeah. but I think they're hoping that by 2024, 25, it matters, right? And it's just, it's a lot of money to have on on, on the books for a guy that you're not going to use, you know? Uh, I don't like absorbing his contract. I, But it, it, one thing for me is that, like, it's really paramount to my understanding of what the plan in Houston is that there's an objective to make a big push next year. Like, I like I think the team wants to be markedly improved next year. Uh, and so short-term planning has more importance to the Rockets than it might to, like, the Magic or the Pistons, you know, on account of the Thunder owning the picks. So that's why I don't love this deal. I think Bertans would be helpful in a similar way that Gordon is helpful for spacing. That's like that's the only thing I see where it's just like, look, like he's another six ten dude. You could, I mean, like you could put him out there. He could space the floor. Like he'll do that. Like doesn't add anything on defense. 
I, I don't like the trade. Tracks on defense. He's a bad defender. Yeah, like like I wouldn't I wouldn't do this trade if I were the Rockets because I think there's probably better options. Um, but like, you know, this is it's not the worst thing ever. And I once again, like, I don't think the Rockets should be players in free agency next offseason just because I don't think there's many guys to be players for that I are think, worth it. So here's here's my thing. Uh, I like Miles Turner, and if we yeah. if we miss on Miles Turner, uh, I would opt to try to sign like two or three veterans that will make the rotation. Like, yeah, man, on on a couple of one or two year deals, why not? Because what you want to do is you want to be the salary dumping ground and get those veterans and some other teams' draft picks. And it's like, yes, is this guy slightly overpaid? Sure, but that doesn't matter for our purposes because he's still a solid player. He's only got like a year or two left and we get picks and it'll give us plenty of time to develop the guys. So then like, because like next season, they're not going to be probably like a playoff team. Maybe they're like, they can push for the play in, but they're not going to be a playoff team next season unless, you know, Jalen takes a major leap, which which could happen. But like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's unlikely. It's unlikely. The other two things I would say is that if, so in a situation where the Rockets are like the fifth or sixth worst team this year, right? This year, jump in the lottery odds and grab a Wemby or a Scoot and sign yeah, a Miles okay. Turner or Mike Conley, right? Like if everything fell as perfectly as possible, I I, I think there are a lot of possibilities next year. Okay, but yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, that's probably not gonna happen. <laughs> like that's like yeah, that's just like a slim possible outcome. Yeah, no, I you, you got some points. It's fair enough. But let's let's move on to the next one. This is my final shitty fake trade with involving. Now, so far, two or three have not been shitty, in my opinion. Yeah, and even the Bertans one isn't like isn't horrible. No. It's like a good trade for the Mavericks. I'll say that much. Like someone is interested in that trade. Um, yeah. might not just not be the Rockets. This final one, I think, actually is better than the Bertans one. Eric Gordon gets traded to the Clippers for Norman Powell. Norm Powell, who hasn't been great this season, but is younger more dynamic of an athlete and i think you know his contract isn't that bad it's like 16 million per season he's only got like two more years left on it so i think he's someone where he comes in he's kind of like a stopgap depth piece at shooting guard slash small forward like you're basically what you're doing is you're saying you know we're gonna lose gordon maybe for nothing so we get norm powell who then if you know norm powell bounces back He'll be cheaper than Gordon is on this contract and younger. So if he's like a bounce back season, you just flip him and probably actually get a first round pick. So I think he's kind of one of these guys where you hope that over the course of the time he's on their contract, he's good enough to trade for a first round pick while also still being a solid productive player. Now I, when you send me the document, I, I speed read sometimes and at the cost of uh, accuracy, I, I read Dwight Powell. Honestly, I was expecting to talk about, uh, I thought you were just going to say they should flip him for Dwight Powell's expiring deal, which I didn't even think would be feasible cap-wise, but I trusted that you checked it. Uh, so, okay, Norm Powell. I give this a solid B, B-plus, man. It, 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 but I, I don't think the Clippers would do it, but strictly from the perspective of a Rockets fan, because I know Powell has had a, a rough season, but I still think he's like just probably a better player than Eric Gordon. I think the Clippers would probably prefer to, to bank on a potential like in-season bounce back, then then just go ahead and flip them for an older player who's probably not as good anyway. I I agree that Powell's a better player. I think Eric Gordon is better for what for the what the Clippers need from secondary players, where it's like Powell's gonna be useful creating, but John Wall's been solid this year. And they have a bunch of good shot creators. Like they, their issue isn't like we don't have enough guys who can create a mid-range shot. It's like Hey, like, let's get Eric Gordon really fucking space the floor and give Kawhi and Paul Paul George as many driving lanes as possible. Like, that would only be that'd be the only reason why I'd be interested for the Clippers. Also, you can get off his money quicker, so you functionally are you're functionally giving yourself more cap space to play with. And because next season he's a, you can keep him for twenty million, you could then maybe package him and someone else to try to get like a bigger salary player that you know someone else doesn't want that that would be the only reason but like yeah i don't know if the clippers would be 100 percent in on this because you're right norm powell is probably better and younger 
let's 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 go home, man. All right. This was our fourth episode, I believe, of our Rockets Roundup above the break. As always, this was Nevin Brown. I was joined by James Piercy. Remember to like, subscribe, rate, review. I'm gonna get this up on the YouTube's because I want that. I want the cat video. I want the cat content up there. Everyone <laughs> yeah. likes the cats. Um, yeah. yeah, we'll be back later in the week with some NBA only talk. Maybe have a guest on. We'll see. Until next week. Peace. Peace.